Hello, everyone. I, I want to begin today with a fun family exercise. You will need a piece of paper and a writing utensil. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stop the video and complete this exercise. I believe it will help you get into the right frame of mind as we discuss the topic of prayer over the next three weeks. So, uh, do you know what a word cloud is? A word cloud is an image that shows words chosen to represent just one word theme. Like if you had giving, all the stuff around it, or prayer, or fasting. You can see a picture on the screen of what I'm talking about. Now, this is a group project, but it can also be done alone. So, are you ready? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Place the word prayer in the middle of the page. Then take three minutes to come up with as many words as possible to place around the word prayer. Now, now there's no wrong answers here, just whatever comes to your mind regarding prayer. So stop the video and do the exercise and I will see you on the other side. Well, how did you do? What were some of your words? I, let me share some of mine that I wrote down. Conversation, reverence, meditation, thanksgiving, emotional, love, listening, heart, help. I could go on. Did anyone have difficult, disciplined, ecstatic, confusing, frustration, questions? I added adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. I, I also included God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in my word cloud. Now, I just hope you enjoyed this little exercise. Over the next three weeks, using the Sermon on the Mount as our foundation, we're going to do a mini-series on prayer. And here's the reason I'm kind of elongating this section on prayer. There's no other time in our history where a strong, resilient, and robust prayer life is needed more than it is right now. Agree? Our world is facing an aggressive virus. Our, our country has been fractured, and we are all living in a time of great uncertainty. And many of us are feeling the stress and strain. It's hard. Seems it will never end. And I get it. I get it. I, I'm right there with you. And brothers and sisters, I believe the discipline of prayer is the tool everyone needs in their tool chest. Prayer is a discipline which can soothe the aching heart. Prayer is a discipline which can conquer our doubts. And prayer transport, transports a connection of power from the Father to our burdened souls. But here's what I'm realizing. Listen, 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 listen. Even though we possess this tool, its use is limited. We carry it with us everywhere we go. And we often never pull it out of the trunk except in an emergency. Brothers and sisters, prayer is not the button on your car for the emergency flashers. Prayer is the fuel which keeps your car going. I, I've heard these phrases many times in my ministry. I, I don't know how to pray. My prayer life is weak. How should I pray? Does it do any good? I'll let you in on a dirty little secret about Christians in their prayer life. 
According to Barner Research, the average Christian spends one minute a day in prayer. One minute a day. <laughs> and it doesn't get much better for ministers. The number was shocking to me. Barna says that pastors spend an average of four minutes a day in prayer. And here's another interesting fact. Prayer is most often executed silently and solo. It's true. We, we pray alone. Besides worship, a large portion of our prayer is alone. Just me and God. And that's okay. And I know this is an add-on to our text in the Sermon on the Mount. But prayer in Christianity's first century was more public in many ways than private. It was meant to be heard and to engage with, with others. Collective prayer was and is also a powerhouse. See, following Jesus' ascension, there were 120 people in an upper room waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. And what were they doing? What were they doing? They were praying together, men and women praying together. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. See, the fortunes of our individualistic culture have influenced what was once a communal experience, and now our corporate identity focuses primarily on the individual. This personal faith focus plays out most explicitly in our practice of prayer. American adults, 94%, have prayed at least once in the last three months, most often choosing to pray by themselves. And not only are most prayers a solo practice, but the vast majority are silent. But what if, what if, what if we could broaden the scope of our prayer lives to consider the power of group prayer? Now, I'm not just I'm just not talking about our corporate settings on Sunday morning. No, but I'm talking about gathering with a group of other believers. Maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. Could it? Would it change our lives? I believe it would. I want to remind us the scriptures we're addressing in the Sermon on the Mount regarding prayer speak to one's motives, one's heart. You see, Jesus keeps asking over and over, what is your motive? What's the motive of your heart? What's the motive when it comes to anger? What's the motive when it comes to, to lust or when it comes to adultery or, or, or keeping one's word or, or retaliation and, and loving one's enemy and, and with your giving? We understand this about motives, don't we? All right, let me, let me remind you of something. God has the ability, our Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to look deep into our souls, deep into our heart and mind, and view our hidden motives. He does. Jesus says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. He knows. He knows what we think is hidden in the dark recesses of our heart. Our Heavenly Father sees, He discerns the intentions of our heart. And when it comes to our prayer life, most of us have a typical pattern, don't we? Yeah, we do. It usually goes like this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or help me, help me, help me. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
But James, is not thankfulness a characteristic of prayer? Are not supplication and confession other elements of a healthy prayer life? Yes, absolutely. But let me ask you one question. Who's at the center of most of these type of prayers? For most of us, our prayer life is about my wants, my desires, about being thankful that God has met my needs. It's true, and there's nothing wrong with that, but very little of our prayer life is about others besides maybe our extended family. And I'm as guilty as anyone else here. I am. I mean, for, for the most part, our prayer lives are feeble and clumsy. I mean, we would rather read God's Word or participate in worship or serve others than to spend time in prayer, would we not? It doesn't help to be reminded of the times that Jesus spent a whole night in prayer. A whole night in prayer! I mean, when's the last time that I did that or we did that? See, it's interesting and almost... 40 years of ministry, I've rarely been asked how to improve one's prayer life. Rarely. But when I have been asked, this is the question. What can I do to transform my week in an apt prayer life? Anybody there? How many of us would like to ask that question, but we're afraid to do so? We don't ask because we think every Christian ought to know how to pray which is not true. See, we have this false assumption that prayer is a skill one picks up by osmosis. Most of us need to swallow our pride and echo the words of Jesus' disciple who asked the question in Luke 11, Lord, teach us how to pray. I brought with me today a Jewish prayer shawl. Many believing Jews and Messianic Jews wear these, sometimes over the garments or sometimes under their garments. See, the prayer shawl is, is called a tallit in Hebrew. The tallit is a garment worn by faithful Jewish believers and functions as a reminder to remain constantly devoted to God in prayer. Now, the prayer shawl, the tallit, came about because of God's requirement of the people of Israel to wear tassels or tzitzits on the corners of their garments. And you can find that in Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41. The tassels were to remind any individual to accomplish all of the commandments and be holy to God. This is why Mike Coghill and I named our weekly podcast Tassels. We named it such because we wanted our podcast to draw, draw listeners closer to God. So how's your prayer life? Would you like it to be better? Do you have a hard time carving out time each day for prayer? And with your job and your children and your family, do you find yourself wondering where all the time goes? As I said last week, these disciplines are expectations. It's when you pray. Jesus expected his followers to implement these disciplines in one's life to strengthen their faith. Let me offer a suggestion. It's worked for me. Just one quick suggestion. If you want to improve your prayer life, Try this. Try stacking a habit. Find something you already do on a habitual basis and stack your prayer time on top of that. And this can aid you in incorporating prayer into your lives on a regular basis. For instance, how many of you drive to work or drive to school? 
How about using that time, which you already do, as a time to pray? Think about your habits. See if you can stack prayer on top of it. Now, believe me, this is a beginning point. Most of us have daily habits in which we could stack another habit on top, which would remind us to pray. So I like your feedback on this. How do you spend your time in prayer? Send me a text. Let me know. I'd love to get your ideas as we move forward in this series. I, I don't know about you, but I've wished more than once that my prayer life was like David or even like Daniel when it came to prayer. I mean, these men carved out specific times of prayer each day. Not just once, but three times a day. Three times a day. These were not meal prayers, but, but something much, much more substantial. And I believe Daniel was influenced by the words of David in Psalm 55. Listen, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, and many are arrayed against me. What if? What if we spent significant time in prayer three times a day? Do you think it would have a profound impact on our lives and the lives of those around us? Do you think it would lead to a stronger faith? See, prayer was Jesus' go-to. Prayer was his fuel. Prayer was his guidance. Prayer was his connection. Prayer brought proper perspective to Jesus' ministry. Do you remember the time Jesus was in Capernaum teaching in the synagogue and a man with an unclean spirit comes up and he begins to cry out and Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit and commands it to come out of the man. And then that evening, after healing that man, he goes and heals Peter's mother-in-law. And the whole city gathers around that house at the door and Jesus heals individuals and casts out many demons. Do you know what happened next? Remember what happened next? In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus' night in prayer brought guidance in a proper perspective. He could have stayed in that town. He could have healed thousands, and his ministry could have flourished. But after spending that night in prayer, it refocused his mission to seek and save the lost. And while prayer has a powerful impact and connection, prayer also has a very dark side. It did in Jesus' day. Listen to the warning Jesus gives his disciples. You must not be like the hypocrites. You must not be like the hypocrites. All right, before I go any further, what's the common definition of being a hypocrite? I mean, what would you say? Someone who says one thing and does another? Yeah, that's the common definition that I grew up with. But I, I don't really believe it represents the word hypocrite, which means actor which means someone who wears a mask. I think there's a better definition for one who is called a hypocrite. Someone who says and does the right thing with the wrong 
motive. See, the Pharisees were godly individuals. I mean, striving to do and be righteous. They desired to prove their goodness. They said and did the right things. They were masters at this. And the Pharisee desired to show everyone the correct way to practice one's righteousness, which, which is not wrong. The issue was the motives behind their practice. Behind their actions, their motives betrayed them. Why is this important to cover? Because I've been a hypocrite. Because I've said and done the right things with the wrong motives. Because I've drawn attention to myself to be seen by men. We all have. The Pharisees took their talent and placed it over their heads and made a show of their prayer life. I am righteous. Look at me. Look at how I pray with such big words. Look at the length of my prayers. Can't you see that I am righteous? Listen to these scriptures. For they love to stand in the and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Oh, that our hearts are in the right place when we come before our Father. But James... Are we not to let our light shine so that others may see? Are we not to allow our good works to be seen so that others may give glory to God? Isn't that the words of Jesus? I mean, didn't we already cover that? I mean, it's, it's Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, there is a fine line, is there not? There's a fine line, and what is that line that separates a good work that brings glory to God and a good work that brings glory to self? Is it not what is happening in the dark recesses of one's heart? Is it not our motives? This is why Jesus gives us instruction to go into our room, shut the door to pray, into our prayer closet. Listen, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. How many of us remember reading about Daniel's prayer life as a child? You mean when Daniel heard the document had been signed, which forbade him or any other person from praying to anyone except King Darius, he went to his room and he prayed as he always did. Listen, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. And in his upper chamber toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. This is a picture I remember as a child, Daniel kneeling at his window and praying to God. I don't know about you, but I'd love to know the content of those prayers, wouldn't you? In those dark days, in those uncertain times, what were his requests? How did Daniel pray during those times? Can I let you in on a little secret when it comes to prayer? 
There's no secret formulas. Prayer is a conversation with our Father, our Heavenly Father, who loves us and cares for us and desires us to know Him as well. Brothers and sisters, prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives. Let me say it again. Prayer unleashes the power of God in our lives. And even if our circumstances don't change, we trust our Father knows what is best for us. We may not like it, but we trust Him. Prayer is a petition. It's a recognition. It's an acknowledgement. It's a blessing. Our Father desires our heart. He desires our time. He desires our love. And the best advice I could give you about how to pray is this. Keep your prayers authentic and real. Keep your prayers authentic and real. Allow your heart to speak. Allow your soul to release, to vent if necessary. And if you can't speak, sit in silence. Shed tears. Allow the Spirit of God to communicate, the Spirit to communicate to God on your behalf. I look at our prayer, line, our prayer list at Lake Homa, and it's overwhelming. The depth of pain and anguish and illness is crushing. And what is not on our prayer list is the depth of stress and worry and anxiousness of you. We're concerned about our families, our work our spiritual walks. We're worried about a virus. We're worried about our country. And if we added the thousands of actual prayer requests, there would be pages upon pages. And brothers, those are just the prayers for us. If we added a prayer list for others, for like our extended families, for this church, for our ministries like our children's ministry or youth ministry or community outreach or discipleship or benevolence or even prayer for our elderly or even like filling the food power for missions if we included prayers for this community and our friends of this world and and we added our leaders and our elders and our minute you get my drift the length of the prayer list would become a book and if And if each of us would dare allow ourselves to open up to one another about our personal struggles, our challenges, our hurts, and our trials, I believe a flood of revival would occur in this place. But we don't. We keep our cards close to our chest and we rarely allow anyone to peek inside. In episode 3-6, in nine of our Tassels podcast, Mike and I covered prayer as a discipline to aid one's walk, to help one grow in their faith. The discipline of prayer and reading, and reading the Bible have been proven to be key components in strengthening one's spiritual walk. Proper prayer and study conducted with the right motives produces a mature believer. And, and as we close today, I want to give you a simple, simple acronym, a formula to guide our prayers. We just need to recall the word ACTS, A. C, T, S, and each letter representing a different ingredient in prayer. This is just just an outline. Here's our first ingredient, adoration. Adoration is an act of praise and worship. Adoring the Lord means offering Him our affections in our heart and paying honor to Him for His mighty power, His wisdom, His strength, His his goodness, his, His mercy, and His love. We give God the glory and praise due His name. 
Listen, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. It's a holy mountain. Now next is confession, AC. Now in the act of confession, we're asking God to remove our old sinful ways of living. God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Through confession, we are made new and more like Jesus. And when we repent of those specific areas, we ask God to clothe us in the opposite of that which we're longing to rid ourselves of. Here's an example. I, I ask for joy instead of depression. Listen, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that brings us to the letter T. Thanksgiving. We thank God for what he has already done in our lives and reflect on the many blessings our Father has given us. We thank him for his faithfulness in keeping his promises in our lives. Those of our family and our friends and, and the circumstances in our lives. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And last supplication now the proper having the proper perspective now we can ask we can ask god to give us the desires of our heart we align our heart with his by reading and praying through the scriptures we remind god of his promises to us i will never leave you nor forsake you i remind him of that look at this verse also do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. It's a simple acronym, a formula to help guide your prayers. So, how are you doing? How are you feeling right now about your prayer life? Do you have a bit more clarity? Okay, next week, we will build on our foundation of prayer and delve into a prayer that is well-known but not known, a prayer that is quoted but often not understood. And over the next two weeks, we will do a deep dive into the Lord's Prayer. Until then, know that I love you very much. May God continue to bless you as you walk in righteousness. And may his grace be upon you.